Welcome, everybody, to the Emmanuel Pastors Podcast. Usually a chance for you to listen in on a conversation between your pastors, but uh, our last episode we talked about um, vocation and work and all that stuff and introduced this concept that we're going to be doing throughout most of this year, which is to have on uh, guests, members from within the church, to talk about um, what they do and just to kind of process through a biblical lens their uh, their uh, career or vocation or one of their vocations. So anyway, tonight uh, I am going to be interviewing Annika. So Annika says she's listened to all of these podcasts. That's why she gets to go first. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Hey, Annika. Hey, Nathan. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So uh, now nobody just wears one hat, right? Everybody has multiple vocations. So you are a wife. You know, we could talk about that. You're a mom now, right? That's a very high calling. Uh, but what I want to talk with you about tonight is the, your vocation as a lawyer, right? So, right, you're a lawyer? That's right, yeah. So I work for a firm downtown, and I do mergers and acquisitions work and kind of other joint ventures and investments. And I also help public companies comply with the rules that the SEC has for them and also stock exchange rules. I think I follow you so far. That sounds... <laughs> Corporate so, law. <laughs> are you an are are you an esquire, or is there like a feminine version of esquire? Oh gosh, I don't know about the gendered uh, nature of the term, but I think I can technically put comma esq after my name, although I I elect not to. <laughs> <laughs> what are the other? So, what's the difference between a lawyer and an attorney? Is there? There is not. Um, I usually say attorney because I feel like lawyer kind of, I get a little bit of my kind of Southern Illinois accent in there, which I try to avoid. I don't, lawyer. So um, I usually say attorney, but no, no difference. So um, you graduate law school, you get a Juris Doctor. And then when you pass the bar exam and your ethics uh, exam, you become an Esquire and you can practice law and be an attorney or a lawyer. Oh, well, that's helpful. Okay. So how did, how did you know you wanted to be a lawyer when when did you when did that uh idea pop into your head yeah, i think you know from my memory the first time i thought i might be interested in the law um was actually so my brother adam nathan you've met him is yeah. 13 years older than i am and he was in law school and studying for the bar exam and i was i guess 10 years old and bothering him and i just remember asking you know give me a question from the bar exam i'm smart i can be a lawyer um, and he gave me this hypothetical uh, about a man who was going to jump off a building in order to commit suicide. And on the way down, another man shot him out the window. And the question was about, you know, should <laughs> should the man who shot him out the yeah. window be liable for whatever degree of manslaughter we're talking about um, uh, or murder, depending on, you know, his state of mind at the time. So I just remember thinking, you know, I had grown up in church and I thought, oh, well, thou shalt not kill between that and thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife. Like I can at least get those two <laughs> probably. Um, and just realizing there's a lot 
a lot more nuance there. So now if you look at Deuteronomy, you know, you, you see lots of discussion of um, different degrees of homicide and whatnot and different punishments for different states of mind. That's all kind of incorporated into our legal system now. But um, I do remember that moment as kind of like, oh, this is trickier than I thought it was. And there's a lot of complexity <clears throat> and nuance that I didn't really realize was there. What is the answer to that question? Well, yeah, it depends on his state of mind. So if he's just like recklessly playing around with his gun, then you could probably get a manslaughter charge. If he's you know, lying in wait, which is another kind of biblical term that worked its way into our criminal law jurisprudence, um, then he could be convicted for first degree murder. So. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it makes me think of one of the opening scenes from The Incredibles. Uh, if you've seen that movie, this this guy doesn't, is, is like trying to, if I remember right, trying to commit suicide and then some Mr. Incredible saves him i think and, mm-hmm. and then he sues him <laughs> it was a it's a funny joke about the litigious litigious is that the word litigious yes litigious nature of our our society anyway but you brought up uh, the book of deuteronomy which reminds me like the bible is full of law right mm-hmm. that's a big genre in the bible and there's a lot a lot um there um what uh yeah, what kind of spiritual lessons do you connect with what you do as you, you know, you read the Bible, you're seeking to follow Christ. How do you connect that with the world of law? Yeah, so I think the most obvious connection that I think about is just that our God is a God of justice, um, that he punishes wrongdoing, and he ultimately also you know, there's a restorative nature to his justice where he restores a right relationship with us through his son and his sacrifice. Um, So I guess when I think about the purpose that law serves for us today, um, you know, I just think Jesus came not to abolish the law, but to fulfill it, right? And so the the rules um, that God provides and provided in the Old Testament for loving your neighbor um, and the context uh, that rules can provide in order to help us achieve that aim. Um, that's kind of still applicable today, even though that we're not kind of bound by the specific obligations of the Old Testament law. So, you know, Satan is kind of a, an arbiter of chaos and, and lies, whereas God is about order and truth. And that's kind of one of the most fundamental aspects of being an attorney is yeah. um, providing order and seeking the truth. Yeah, that that that's well put. Order and truth. Yeah, have you have you ever? Um, but you're representing somebody who has a a motive, right? So, do you ever it, it, do you ever feel like truth gets kind of obscured? Like, what is truth? Is truth just the person who has the best lawyers and the most money? Um, yeah, I think that's the way society looks at it, but. From our perspective, you know, we know that there are absolute right and wrong. Um, From our perspective, you mean as Christians? Exactly, yeah. Yeah. We know that there are absolutes in the universe set out by a good God, and that while there may be, you know, shades of gray and nuance, like I was talking about in my initial hypothetical, at the end of the day, there is right and there is wrong. Um, Yeah. And I think, you know, in, in my job, you know, I'm not, you know, defending criminal defendants and protecting their constitutional rights. You know, I'm not going in front of a judge or a jury to present an argument. For the most part, I'm helping commercial parties try to avoid getting in front of a judge or a jury, 
um, by mm. planning well and putting things very specifically in the contract to avoid future disputes. Um, but even there, like the parties have certainty about what they're agreeing to, and with a good rule of law, you know, they can trust that their their written word will be enforced, um, and they can you know count on that. And that's just kind yeah. of a, a an element of order in our society that's not you know looked at a lot um, or considered a lot. And you know, being a corporate lawyer is a little bit different than what people think of a lawyer on TV. Um, but that kind of basic. Mm-hmm freedom to contract and agree about, you know, your rights and obligations is really important for society because if people couldn't trust their contracts, it would be really difficult to do business. Yeah, you mentioned the rule of law. You want you kind of been teasing that out, but I think that's an important concept for people to, to really think about and to um, be grateful for in our society. Uh, you want to talk a little more about that, like a society that's based on law? Yeah, so it kind of goes back to the order point. You know, if if we can trust our courts to enforce our contract, and if the parties say we're going to write out exactly what we agree to, and then they have a dispute about it later, if a court didn't enforce the contract and make you know party A pay for the goods that party B provided to them, um, then no one would have any you know basis of trust in any of their relationships. So it's kind of like the modern day equivalent of you know appropriate weights and measures. Um, just this, mm-hmm. you know, basic construct of having agreements enforced in a rule of law, in a court of law, and we are really lucky to live in a society that values that, and it's not the case everywhere, particularly with respect to, like, IP right. rights, and, um, yeah, th- th- there's a lot of benefit that comes from having laws and the enforcement of those laws. Yeah, and many, like you said, many countries around the world, even today, uh, are not a country that's ruled by law, right? It's ruled by might or military power. Or, mm-hmm. um, so, yeah. Have you ever been cynical or jaded uh, by what you get to see in the world? Being like, wait a second. This is supposed to be a, a fair system, a blind justice, and words have meaning and you're held to them. But have you ever seen like the the effects of the fall <laughs> up close and personal by being a lawyer? Yeah, I mean, I guess I have. I mean, obviously, we have professional ethics to always tell the truth and to not present anything in front of a court that's incorrect or, you know, we are not allowed to lie um, to a court. So it's, it's cabin in that respect with a lot of professional ethics. Um, but I do, you know, see... I guess I will say a a focus on creating, you know, thinking outside of the box to look at creative solutions and presenting arguments that, you know, maybe you were not what the parties originally intended when they wrote something, but it could be construed this way. And this is for the benefit of another person. So that would be an argument that you would hear on the other side. Um, So you can definitely, you know, creativity with arguments and words um, kind of, certainly can see effects of the fall in terms of where sometimes disputes end up. Um, Yeah. 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 I don't want to get too political, but I think in just in the recent uh, trial, the impeachment trial (laughs) is a good example of that. Like um, 
different people have a different spin on things. But yeah. anyway, you said you're not you're not in that kind of law. You're not usually like defending a uh, a criminal or prosecuting. You're you're kind of in the pre-trial stage of trying to make sure that contracts are worded correctly to try to prevent there being lawsuits and somebody trying to argue their case, right? Exactly. Is there a reason why you went you went that route? How did you get into the 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 niche of law that you're you're in versus, you know? Yeah, what I liked um, most about it is kind of as as compared to litigation or criminal law, which is you know a lot of times the parties settle, but at the outset it's kind of a zero sum game. There's like a winner and a loser. In transactional law, what I do in in compliance work, um, it's really avoiding disputes. And usually when we close a transaction, I closed a transaction earlier today, you know, the buyer and the seller were both really happy. The seller was excited to get rid of a brand that didn't fit their portfolio anymore. And our buyer was really excited to add it to their portfolio and expand into that category. So it's kind of a, you know, it feels happy. It does. It's, it's, it's very team oriented and it's very happy at the end of the day. Obviously sometimes negotiations are intense. Um, but you know, when you sign or close a transaction, the goal is that everyone walks away happy. And the same with compliance, you know, helping public companies provide appropriate information to the markets that complies with law and allows investors to make informed decisions about where to put their money. I mean, that's really important for the efficient operation of our capital markets. Um, Yeah, so so kind of avoiding dispute and helping, I guess, on on the front end is something that attracted me to this particular type of law. Is that more your personality? Are you less um, adversarial and comp- competitive, or I th- I think like so. You see, you yeah, recom- yeah. Okay. I mean, I, I can certainly be competitive, and so Ben would like be crying laughing if he heard me on here saying that I'm not competitive. Um, <laughs> I can definitely be competitive in certain aspects of my life, but I enjoy working together in in work contexts. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, what other kinds of like? personality wiring um or uh yeah what, what what else does it take to do what you do that kind of made it seem like a good fit for you i definitely think that you know enjoying reading and writing is kind of the the baseline for people who want to be attorneys um enjoying research having just intellectual curiosity i love learning about new issues i love you know i, I write a very specific type style you know drafting a contract is not like creative fun writing um but it's very specific and it's uh very strategic which i really enjoy um and yeah i think god has just given me traits that kind of help me um be successful in this field and and those are probably the biggest ones yeah that's cool i mean that's god wires us in different ways gives us different gifts and strengths and mental kind of um, the way our brain works you know is set up for different things like I cannot think in three dim- three dimensional kind of geometric shapes I get totally confused but I've met people that in construction you know we're trying to I, I can just sit and stare at something to try to put it together and I, I just like I can't do this uh, and somebody else can can do it and that's uh, that's kind of a cool thing to see the way that God's made different people different and and there's needs in the world that uh, those kinds of minds fit and it sounds like you found your fit <laughs> which is cool 
Yeah, absolutely. Attention to detail, would you say? Absolutely, yes. (laughs) I feel like, especially when you're a really junior attorney, your kind of job is to just be totally on top of the facts and what we call due diligence in in corporate work, um, which is requires extreme attention to detail, which is really important. Um, And kind of the focus on the written word is another thing I think about when I think about what my job teaches me um, about God and just how we have the Bible, we have God breathes scripture um, and like how special that is. You know, the written word means a lot. Um, And of course, as we talked about earlier in this conversation, you know, there can be different ways of reading it and interpreting it. And we never know, you know, different angles and we have our own biases, all of those things. But at the end of the day, like God spoke to us and people wrote it down and we have that today. And that's really incredible. Uh, So much of my job revolves around (laughs) specific writing and, you know, having the Bible is, is awesome. Yeah, and that there's a meaning in the text, <clears throat> and we have to read it carefully and understand it. Does this does being a lawyer help you read the Bible? I think it does. Yeah, I think it does. I think, you know, I guess having attention to detail in terms of you know connecting passages from one to another, having the background context in mind, kind of all of those critical reading skills that we use when we read our Bibles are also something that we use when we read case law. Um, and so I, I do think it helps kind of have a, a, a good lens for reading the Bible. But I think that I also fall into the trap of sometimes looking at the Bible too academically um, and from a you know mm. position in my head rather than my heart. So it, it's kind of a double-edged sword, I will say. But yeah. I, I do think that, you know, a lot of my job helps me read the Bible better. Yeah. It's interesting if you do a, a search of a lawyer in the Bible, it actually comes up a, a fair number of times. And uh, they're not usually always good, right? The lawyers in Jesus' day. That's right. They could, I mean, they were, they could read the Bible, um, but they could miss the point. So. It's always a reminder. I think when you, part of being a, a lawyer is also being very um, argumentative, and uh, you can, you can like I'm going to win this argument somehow or another, you know, even if I'm not right. <laughs> but you can, I like with some of my kids, I'm like, you're going to be a good lawyer someday because you are arguing your case very well, but you're completely wrong. Um. So. Oh gosh, that's uh, testing me. I need to go back to my ACT, uh, SAT prep. I don't. I don't know that one. <laughs> Just coming up with fanciful interpretations of ways to get out of things and make overcomplicate stuff. That's could be a maybe a possible uh, lawyer temptation or ditch to fall in. But generally speaking, like you said, God has has written a text and that text has meaning objective meaning and we need to pay careful attention to it i think that that is a that's an important thing um that i think your your field would bring into a crossover into your spiritual life in a good way but there are other genres in the bible that are less um they're not law they're not 
to the kind of dry stuff that you're dealing with every day, things that are more imaginative, um, metaphors and poetry and such. But um, what what are some of the some of the yeah, other joys of being a lawyer? You get to see exactly, people yeah, happy you kind at the of, end of achieve day, successful results you for your clients, and after That's you've cool. been advocating for them for a long time, you really feel sense of ownership over it, and and have a lot of joy in that as well. Um, and just being an advocate for someone else's position, I mean, that's kind of one of the struggles as well, I guess. Like you're kind of not acting for yourself and you're loving someone else by, you know, advocating for their interests to the best of your ability all the time. And that can have, you know, a demanding schedule. Um, and, you know, there are times when I would rather just relax and serve myself than serve others in that regard. Um, but Absolutely. Mm. And I think that uh, so it's a I serv- you see it as a service in house at a corporate legal department at a company. And I could That's see cool. the value that uh, outside counsel who had more resources and more brain power and um, just more expertise in a lot of areas than I had that they provided, you know, they helped me and they served me and kind of having that perspective has really made me view what I do now as, as serving other people. And it probably sounds strange to hear from a corporate lawyer, but um, there are stressed That's out cool. corporate lawyers in, in legal departments of, of our big corporations and they need, you know, people with expertise in the types of law that I practice. So I really do view it as serving our clients. I also feel like I serve the partners in my law firm. So uh, I, I do see it as a, as a way to love others in that respect. Nice. That's awesome. I I can picture you you know doing that really well. That's that's cool. Um, what about struggles? What are some? Yeah, of the I mean, hard, earlier we talked about attention to detail being really location. important. I think it's. My job can be a breeding ground for one of my biggest sin struggles, which is perfectionism and kind of a like I, I can't really turn turn my brain off and stop worrying about what loophole I might have missed in the contract or what error I might have made in something that just got publicly filed or you know any of that. And it's just kind of it can be a competitive environment as well. Um, I work at a large law firm, and not everybody makes partner at the end of your track, so. Um, you know, it, it's, I sometimes find it difficult to love my other associates as my neighbor and rejoice in their successes as well. Um, so I think that it can kind of, depending on your personality type and the type of person that goes into my field often is the perfectionist type of person. It can be just a, a struggle to combat sin in those areas sometimes. We were supposed to do this. That's right. In my email asking to change uh, the time, I guess I said I would cite that as one of the struggles in the profession. Yes. I have an extremely demanding schedule that is I don't have control over, which is another glimpse into God's sovereignty and and not my control over my own life in itself. But um, yeah, I have a very demanding schedule that requires a lot of night work and Hmm. a lot of weekend work and not a lot of sleep sometime. Um, That's kind of the nature of transactions um, when you need to get them done by a certain deadline. Um, so that's definitely mm-hmm. a big struggle. Yeah. 
well, <laughs> you seem happy still, which is amazing. <laughs> um, yeah. What other struggles come along with it? How do you, I mean, maybe one's, are, I mean, identity, like finding... Absolutely. That, it's like it's definitely a struggle. I work in a law firm that, you know, has a lot of excellent attorneys, some of the best attorneys in the city, in my opinion. Um, and it's hard not to uh, take pride in that. And sometimes I will get asked in an, by an interview if I'm, you know, on campus interviewing law students, you know, what makes you proud to work at the law firm I work at? And it's really hard to not, <laughs> I try to answer that question by speaking about why I'm not proud. But um, in my heart, I definitely struggle with finding my identity in my work and working at what some people consider to be a prestigious environment and um, just kind of feeling like I am powerful. Definitely all struggles that come with working in, in the type of environment that I work in. Yeah. So what's the, the career path? that you're on where does it lead you said you mentioned like partner maybe you can explain that for somebody but does this i mean can you keep doing what you've been what you've been doing until you retire or i don't know if it, it ever lets up <laughs> does it ever let up it does change so if what's, i what's, stay what's, at my how's law it, firm how's it change you know at, at large law firms often um you work for a while as an associate you kind of learn you get clients um, you start bringing business into the firm, you become really technically advanced in your field. And then at some point, maybe you would be elected into the partnership, which means you would literally kind of buy into the entity and receive the profits from the entity and be a partner who <laughs> runs the entity with the other partners. Um, that's one option. <laughs> and then another option is Get to do what I tried to do and, and didn't enjoy as much as I thought I would, which is go um, work at a company and advise that, especially I would probably end up working at a public company and advise that public company on its compliance with, you know, stock exchange rules and SEC requirements and insider trading rules and all the things that go into having your equity publicly traded by any person can just go buy it. And there are a lot of rules that accompany that privilege. So um, it would probably look like making partner at my law firm or going to work at a company someday. Now, do you have um, billable hours that you have to meet a certain threshold of each and so I you do. have this thing my whole day is broken into six minute increments the bill by the tenth of an of. hour <laughs> it's how do yeah, you not it, go crazy with that constant pressure you're always be, being evaluated you're always perf- having to perform if you, absolutely, you, you always yeah, see right in front of you it's really draining and it's maybe. frankly hard to keep track of when you're flying around a million miles an hour and yeah, I forget to switch my time and you know try to bill my time as accurately as possible but um, it definitely plays into a compulsion to you know compete against my other associates and to bill more hours than they do show the firm that I'm more productive than they are 
Um, so it kind of goes both ways. One, I want to have, you know, more billable hours to show that I'm a really hard worker. And two, I want to have almost fewer billable hours to show how efficient I am and, you know, how they can charge clients for everything I do because I'm not slow. Um, so I think a lot of people think, oh, lawyers build their time. So they probably just, you know, lollygag and sit around. And that's very far from the truth. I can tell you that. Um, but So you have to be efficient and exactly. You want to do a lot of work, but be and, very fast uh, at it. So build um, a lot of hours. That's that's yeah. And to have a metric like you're kind of just like stamped, like on all crazy. of your our reviews at my firm, will have stamped at the top like how many hours we had the previous year or what our twelve month roll of hours is, and it's it's in your face all the time, kind of how productive you are and what your numbers are, uh, which can definitely be a challenge. Um, So how do you preach the gospel to yourself in yeah, that sort of Yeah, I think the, the biggest thing I think about is like culture. I'm an advocate for other people, but Jesus is my advocate before God. Like he goes before the throne of God for me. Like he's the high priest. My sins are forgiven through him. Nice. I get his righteousness without having to do anything. He doesn't care how many hours I bill. <laughs> he doesn't care what loopholes in the contract. He doesn't care what mm. typo I just filed with the SEC. Like God looks at Jesus and pardons me. That's it. He's got you covered. And that that's what gives you the joy to go out and serve others. Exactly. And serve society yeah. as a lawyer. That's really cool. I mean, I admire you. I think you have a really hard job, but I admire your your joy in it. The, the fact that you still are... Um, you know, you're still loving other people in the in in the body. Uh, you're bringing us baked goods all the time, um, and and I also see you loving. You know, the, I guess I haven't seen you up close and personal, but from what I've detected over the years, I think you are seeking to be a witness in that world. I remember one time I was at a Cubs game, and you were at a Cubs game with your coworkers, and I could like I could see you there hanging out with those people and trying to build relationships there and that's really cool um and I, I guess i just want to kind of highlight again that what you do matters um it it people may not understand anything that you've said tonight but understand <laughs> that if everybody understand that if annika wasn't doing what she's doing and people weren't doing that this whole the whole society would collapse right like chaos would would ensue and so the fact that you can, you know, so much that we take for granted and kind of implicitly trust of the kind of the machinery of the our society running is because of people like you paying attention to detail and spending long hours staring at these contracts. And, and uh, yeah, that's important work. It honors God. It, it loves your neighbor. And, uh, and you're doing it out of a gospel mindset, which is really, really encouraging for all of us in whatever field we're in. Um, I appreciate you sharing that story. I think, Anything else you want yeah, to say? Yeah, you missed the opportunity Anything for lawyer jokes, but otherwise I think we covered it all. Wanted... <laughs> nice. Yep. Um, great. Well, I'm very thankful for you coming on. 
I'm excited about this whole concept. Looking forward to uh, more of these in the future, interviewing different people. So we'll get around to a whole bunch of other fields. So this isn't just lawyers, but we're going to cover every other kind of field because it takes all of these to run society. Yeah. But uh, thanks for being the yeah, first Thanks for on. having uh, me. Back to I it. Appreciate it. I'll let you get back to work. <laughs> all right. Until next time, see you later.